Hello, welcome to the Living Open podcast for mystics and seekers. I'm your host, Erin. I'm a Philly-based healing artist, and this is a podcast to support your healing journey. my friends and welcome 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 to another episode of the living open podcast today i have an interview for you with ex-catholic influencer mary adele walters we talk ex-catholic reclamation magic transmuting the seven deadly sins and pleasure as part of the creative process in a bunch more which i'll tell you a little bit about in a minute i want to share how i know mary um I found Mary through Instagram, like I find so many wonderful people, um, and I hate so much about Instagram, and I'm grateful also for that platform um, in these ways too. I worked with Mary on her sensual self-publishing program for my poetry collection, which was really incredible, and my poetry collection is being birthed soon. I was really supported by Mary in our work together and I think the thing that I really love about her work besides all the obvious connections around um, working with ex-religious people and reclamation magic and all of that is the way that she weaves pleasure and sensuality into the creative process and it's like inherent to the creative process and I think that's just so beautiful so all of that to say I'm excited to share Mary with you if you don't know her and this conversation So I'm just going to share her bio with you. Mary uses she, her pronouns. She's a creative facilitator, sexuality coach, sensual writer, and hot queer witch. She supports ex-Catholic and ex-religious femmes as they reclaim their bodies, sexualities, pleasure, and witchery through creative facilitation and anti-oppressive coaching. She's written two books, Girl Flame, a book of sensual poetry, and Nadia, a a novella or sensuella about an ex-religious femme reclaiming pleasure. Mary lives on unceded Piscataway land on the Appalachian Mountains, and she currently adores Apricot Seltzer, the Ten of Pentacles card, Bergamot, and the Midsummer Breeze blowing through oak trees. In this episode, we talk about her journey with Catholicism and witchery, how her family relationships have shifted through deconstructing, reclaiming Jesus and reclaiming Catholic mysticism, writing spells in her poems, taking back power from religious institutions, transmuting the seven deadly sins, including lust and gluttony, claiming queerness and not feeling queer enough, expressing queerness through creativity, why Mary feels compelled to write, being honest in our journaling, pleasure and sensuality as part of the creative process, attuning to pleasure, aligning with what you need and desire. And near the end of this episode, Mary reads the short chapter, Nadia and her vibrator, um, from her sensual novella, Nadia. So it's a really packed and really beautiful episode. I hope you enjoy. I want to let you know before we get into it that I put the links for my religious trauma workbook in the description as well as breathwork for ex-religious and deconstructing folks, which is happening on Zoom at the end of October. Um, so if you identify as ex-religious, ex-Christian, ex-Catholic, any of those things and want to um, check out those offerings, feel free. Links are in the description as well as, of course, links to all of Mary's wonderful, wonderful work, which I highly recommend. Okay, let's get into this conversation. And you've listened to the show, so you know how I like to start the podcast. 
for you, I'm like, there's so many things I want to talk about with you. So I'm like your journey with what? I'm like your deconstruction journey, your journey with sexuality, with your creativity. I want to hear it all. So I'm just going to leave it open. Feel free to touch on whatever you want. But how did you get here? What's up? What's the journey been like? Yes. My Gemini stellium loves this question. (laughs) Go Um, on a tangent, please. Make it long. I want to hear the story. Oh, okay. (laughs) Okay. So a long, long time ago, I was a little girl going to Catholic church every, every week and like not into it. Like just sitting there, usually daydreaming about crushes, daydreaming about like my queer crushes, but not really realizing that's what I was daydreaming about. Just so bored, disenchanted, was like, who's this dude, Jesus? Like, cool. I even remember having like the thought, and I still have this thought sometimes. It sounds, this is an intense way to start, but I was like, people die for each other a lot. Like, I feel like that's something that just happens because of humanity mm. and love. Or I, you know, however you want to define it. But why is this dude getting all this like cool credit for dying for people? You know, like those are the things I was like thinking. <laughs> like not to interrupt, but that's wild. I never even considered that, but that's so funny. Like, yeah. <laughs> Just like force fed of like, he died for you. He died for you. Like, what are you doing to like honor that? And I was like, First of all, I'm eight. <laughs> Second of all, I watch a lot of Disney movies and people die for each other all the time in those. <laughs> I'm turning into a whole religion. So what's up? <laughs> yes. Yes. So I also simultaneously, fifth grade came along and we had to go to these family life classes, which was sex ed, just not calling it sex ed. And I passed out during every class that was, that showed, um, female bodied anatomy. So anything about uterus, the uterus, vagina, all of that, I just like went out cold, could not listen or see it or talk about it. No one knew why no one would talk to me about why it could possibly be happening. It was just kind of like, Oh, are you okay? Okay. And then move on. Um, and so then I get my period And, uh, that freaked me out. I had no idea what it was. So just a lot of like, like trauma, but wasn't talked about and didn't know what it was stemming from really. Um, so then I get to middle school. I skip all the family life slash sex ed classes because everyone's like, oh, she can't handle it. So let's just put her in a different room or like, she'll be out of that class. So it was just like, no one was teaching me anything. I was going to like a, a, have a huge part of my life was church every Sunday and CCD and like not caring about that. So I just felt like I didn't feel, I don't know. I was so young too. I can't really define it. I was still doing like all the stuff that a younger person does. Like I was hanging out with friends. I was like talking about like crushes and all that stuff, but I don't know. It was strange and it's still strange. I really don't have I'm still collecting my thoughts around it. Um, And so go through high school, you know, maybe I can sit in the classes, but I'm like averting my eyes. And uh, then I get into college and I'm not having any kind of sex because I don't know what it is. I'm so scared. Like I'm avoiding it. And um, 
and 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 I st- I started going to church while I was in college, and then I just stopped because I was like, wait, I don't have to go. No one's like really holding me accountable. Besides, like my mom calls every once in a while. I was like, so did you go to church? And I just start saying, and eh, no, you know, I like kind of shrug it away. And then um, finally, I get out of college, and I'm like, I probably need to address. Like, I go to get my first ever Pap smear, and like freaked out on the on the nurse, like kicked and like was just like I can't do this started crying almost passed out and the nurse was not the best nurse probably because they were like I don't know what's wrong with you but they did give me this like um business card and it had the name of a person who apparently worked with whatever I was dealing with like this nurse didn't even have words for what it was (laughs) um so I go and and this opened up a whole thing for me because I went to this person who was very kind what's her name Marsha, I think. And, um, she told, she first spoke the words vaginismus. She's like, sounds like you have vaginismus, which for anyone who's listening, who doesn't know is muscle tightening and spasming in the pelvic floor area. And a lot of times it happens after trauma, such as sexual assault, um, also maybe after childbirth. But then I knew immediately I was like, it's because I feel shame. Like I just knew it was because I felt shame because I, you know, I'm fortunate that I haven't experienced any large trauma in terms of sexual assault and I'd never had a baby. So I was like, I think it's because of the Catholic church. Like I just knew. Mm-hmm. So then I go through call it, or then I start seeing this person and she's helpful in that she gave me words for it, but we didn't really do any kind of like therapy beyond her, like massaging my abdomen and stuff um, until I find a pelvic floor therapist. And that's when I was really able to do some deep work around it. And just what happened was I didn't feel scared anymore. Like this physical therapist helped me not to feel scared about my body. Um, So I started then like masturbating and like learning about sex toys. And that's when I went to um, graduate school eventually. And kind of on a whim, I was like, I want to do creative writing. And that was helpful too, because I was writing like sexy poems. And like I was, I was in a healing process that I don't think at the time I knew I was healing, but I was. Um, and then I, uh, yeah. And then I just kind of was like, I don't, I also, I was working a nine to five and I hated it. I hated being in an office. I don't like it when people tell me what to do. So I was like, I'd like to start my own business. And I want it to be so that other people learn about vaginismus and, or learn about sexuality, just like something in that arena. Um, and so I started the entrepreneurship, like while working side jobs and also still like navigating chronic vaginismus, like it comes back when I'm really stressed, but at least now I know what it is and I can be like, go through my own re- relaxation techniques through it. Um, I know I'm babbling a lot. I know I'm talking a lot. <laughs> oh, it's so good. I also have a big authority problem. So I totally relate to that. I'm like, I can't, I can't work for other people. It's no vibe. <laughs> right. No. And like, doing things that I don't want to do for other people too, where it's like, this job's fine, but I don't want to do this. So (laughs) like, what's the point of me like going to this job to make money for some company that I don't give a shit about and is maybe actively harmful. And like, but it's so hard because capitalism. I know. I know. Yes, I know. And like, that's why I'm, I'm grateful for jobs like bartending and such, even though I know those in and of themselves are problematic or have harm 
there's harm there, but at least then it's like, I'm only doing this just to make ends meet, you know, like (laughs) I loved waiting tables. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was something I could just do, get it done. And then like, yeah. Um, and so now I've like, I've had my business for three years. I've gotten sexuality education certification. I should say it's on the way I've taken a lot of classes toward it. And, um, it's kind of my, like you were saying about your podcast, you've let it just kind of uh, grow and adapt and like evolve with you, which is so beautiful. The same with my business. Like it started out as one thing and now it's kind of turned into this, like um, it's a business for particularly ex-Catholic femmes because that's who I am. And that's what, you know, like it, it makes me feel good to talk to that group of people in particular and to like do some reclamation work around Catholicism. Yeah. And I definitely want to talk about the reclamation work. I think first I have so many other questions about <laughs> this journey. So what is, what is it like with your family? Like, do you talk to your family about not being Catholic anymore? Or is it kind of just like what you're saying about the, eh, we like shrug it off a little bit. Like what are, how have your relationships with them shifted or not? Yeah. Shifting? Yeah. Yeah, I love that question. <clears throat> and like to bring astrology back in, like my stellium's in my fourth house, which is the cancer and it's in cancer. Wait, sorry. I just know that it, my stellium's in my fourth house, which means family's like huge for me, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, my siblings, I've got three siblings, two older, one younger. A lot started with my sister who she got married in the Catholic church, but then she didn't baptize her children. And that was like the worst thing possible for my, for my mom. Um, And then my older brother didn't get married in the Catholic church. So that was like the next step. But with them, it's like more like they just did it and they didn't, they like kind of suffered through the hard conversation around it but then like no one ever talks about it again you know they just kind of like did the thing I come along and I'm like no 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 yeah I'm I'm you know my I don't but I'm still very very cautious around my mom and um I do avoid conversation around it and I'm trying to, I don't even want to say be better about it, but just be more me, like feel like I'm in my body when I'm talking to her Mm. about my choices and decisions. Um, But it's hard. It's, it's hard because it's so historical for her and her ancestors and such a tradition that it, I think it really does feel like livelihood and, um, yeah. So that's tough. My dad's, uh, he was raised Methodist. He just, it's an interesting relationship. Um, cause they, you know, love each other, get along, they're good friends, but like, for whatever reason, she doesn't like make him feel bad for not being Catholic. And I'm like, that's okay. <laughs> you don't marry him. For whatever reason. Yeah. <laughs> So, and then my little brothers, who knows, he's navigating his journey. He's still very, he's in his early twenties. So we're all just kind of waiting to see what Tommy does. Um, But yeah, so it's like, I'm very close with my siblings, but we all are kind of like, we all kind of skirt around my mom who is, loves us so much and like in her own way and raised us and 
it's just still tricky. Yeah. That sounds so similar to my family, actually. And I kind of like destroyed the dynamic of just skittering around by like telling my parents I'm not Christian and I'm a witch and by coming out to them. We're all, except for my younger sibling, but they were like, can you not like not do this? And I'm I'm sorry. I just have to. Yeah. That's interesting what you said about the getting married in a Catholic church. I'm thinking about how my older sister is the only one of us who's married and she got married in May this year and she didn't get married in a church at all. It was like just a regular wedding venue. There was no pastor nothing because she's not Christian. Um, And my parents didn't even have a problem with it because the bar is so low at this point that they're just like relieved that she was marrying a man. That's like literally the only thing that they cared about. They're like years ago, that would have been a big thing, but that's like the hill that they are. Yeah. Really, really attached to. So they're like, whatever, we're just thrilled that Caitlin's getting married to a man. So, but you're getting married yeah, it's not gonna be a Catholic wedding. <laughs> no. no, and like that's been a whole oh man, I've had the most interesting couple of weeks because my mom asked me a lot if I'm gonna invite Jesus to the wedding. Mm. At first, I'm like, what does that mean? I don't <laughs> like I don't mail the invitation. What <laughs> exactly? What kind of meal is he interested in? <laughs> He did that RSVP, mom. (laughs) But then um, a friend read, uh, did a reading for me and said that she thought a guide came through in the form of Jesus. And I was like, what, what does he want? (laughs) You know, like, why is he here? But then I was like, wait, is Jesus a he? And then I just had this like wonderful, like kind of full moon Aquarius reclamation with Jesus of just like, you know what, if that person was in fact alive and is it some kind of divine deity, I bet you they're queer. I bet you they've got an Aquarius moon and a Leo sun and that's why they just showed up. And so like all of a sudden then I was like, now I want my mom to ask me again so I can be like, yeah, mom, I invited Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) They're going to be the life of the party. (laughs) That's so beautiful. I love that reclamation magic. Thank you. Yeah. It's cool when you decide, when you're just like, I'm just going to like decide that this is what it is. Yeah. Well, let's talk more about it. Like so much of your work right now, and I know like your personal journey and practice is about like, yeah, working with Catholic mysticism and reclaiming those things. And I want to hear all about that. What's that looking like, feeling like, what's that meaning to you? Yes, yes, yes. Um, you know, I'm, my wheels are still turning and I'm still kind of like, just, I'm just, I kind of like asked a while ago, I'm like, what is my, like, what is all this? Um, the word witchery came to me and I was like, I feel like I'm just developing my witchery and I'm lucky that I feel very connected to Mary, the mother. I feel very connected to Mary Magdalene. And so I've kind of just chatted with them, you know, knowing that I'm chatting with like the, the way my belief system works is I feel like I'm chatting with myself, but I'm like, they're helping me 
almost like my childhood married to like come into the conversation, mm-hmm. you know, cause those are the two figures that I was like, all right, if I'm going to sit in church and there's a story about one of them, I'm tuning in. (laughs) (laughs) They just feel familiar and friendly and loving. And I know that that's, uh, that's me, you know, that's those parts of me in my belief system. Um, And so like, then I'm like, well, it's just cool. Cause I, I didn't really, I didn't get into witchy stuff until even after I left like grad school, even though I felt like I was writing spells in my poems, but it wasn't until after grad school when I was like, oh, not only do I like, like the idea of witchiness, but I also would love to really be a witch, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I like took a plant medicine class. I was like called into this apothecary in Frederick where I live. I walked into the doors and I was like, oh, I have to, like, I have to be in this place often. Mm-hmm. And so I took a plant medicine class there and I worked there for a little bit. And that's where I really just kind of was like smelling smells and like <laughs> touching crystals and talking to other witchy people. And I was like, this just feels so good. Like, I don't know what it means. I don't know what I really believe in. And I still like, I still have a lot of like, what do I believe in? But it feels good. And then like I picked up a tarot deck and I started reading about a year and a half ago. And that feels really fun and just good to me. Um, and so then in the reclamation, that just kind of like, it was almost like an intersection of like wanting to grow my business and wanting to make sure I grew my business in a way that felt fun and free to me. And like reclamation came up. Cause I, I don't know. I was just like, how juicy to like take the seven deadly sins and like flip them on their head, you know? And like, feel a little radical about it and hopefully make people feel better. Um, It just feels very powerful to take something that an institution has claimed to be one thing and to be like, no, you don't get to do that. Like we all get to define these things for ourselves. Yes. Like you don't get to say what this is and you tried to take this from me, but I'm taking it back. Yes. Making it mine. I feel so powerful. Just like, I remember seeing you had named your container holy and I was like, I adore that. That is so beautiful and such an act of reclamation of like this gorgeous word that could be like stifled by an institution, but you, you've given it, you've given it new breath, you know? Yeah. That word is such reclamation magic for me. And I think part of it, like a big part of the reclaiming work for me is, definitely through my ritual practice, but also through writing poetry, like, you know, writing Bible blackout poems. And also just like beyond that, I just find that a lot of the imagery and the words that I use are like coming from that religious background. Um, And it's not on purpose. It's not like I'm going to write a poem that has (laughs) drinking blood in it. like that's just what comes out and it feels so cool and just like really good for me to write about these things in a reclaiming context like turning the drinking the blood and communion into like a sexual erotic experience or like whatever it is um that feels like saying no this is mine like I'm gonna say what this is you don't get to tell me what this is for me right like yes and Do you feel like it's almost like a sense of grounding or just like, oh, I've got like, 
this institution has less and less power over me and thus less and less power as a whole. Yes. And that feels good. Yeah. And like, I'm consciously choosing to opt out. I'm consciously choosing to transmute this energy into something that is helpful and healing, not something that is harmful and destructive. Right. Yeah. How gorgeous. How gorgeous. I really enjoyed reading your about the seven deadly sins because that's such a Catholic thing. We didn't really have that. I mean, it's all like the same kind of ideas of like, you know, this is bad and this is bad, but it wasn't like laid out in the same way for like non-Catholic Christian people, or at least like in my experience. Do you want to talk about any of the sins and what you're like, yeah, feeling around them? I'd love to. Well, they they offer such a um, great framework for me and the work that I'm doing, because, you know, like I thought I wanted to be a sexuality coach and like, that was it. And, you know, I evolved from there of, and that's, you know, that's such important work, but I knew that I, there was something else, if that might, or just, there was some other intersections that wanted to come through with the sexuality coaching. Um, and so that's when this reclamation work came through. And then I was like, wait, the seven, let me look at the seven deadly sins. I remember, I remember so clearly getting online and being like, what are they again? And like, and they just hit everything that I had that I'm still reclaiming and healing. So we've got sloth, which I think is a, I think is one as a uh, collective we're really reclaiming and looking at right now with this idea of being lazy. Mm-hmm. Okay fucking yeah, I'm lazy. I don't want to work. <laughs> like what of it? <laughs> yeah, what of it? <laughs> yeah. There is no good or bad in being lazy. Like, yeah. Um, wrath, which I think is big, particularly for anyone who's experienced misogyny, um, allowing anger. And, and what I've liked about the reclamation of wrath is you don't have to like consciously be like, Mm, I'm angry. I'm going to get out my anger. You can literally just be like, you know what? Maybe I should try processing some wrath and then like dance really hard. Like for me, I'm discovering it is more body than anything else for me. Mm-hmm. And so the wrath one, um, I don't want to say it's easier, but maybe it's just a simpler than I think. I think we're learning a lot too, as a collective, what anger and wrath really is and does and how to, how to wield it or use it. Um, then we've got gluttony, which that one's probably my favorite because pleasure, first of all, you get to really dive into pleasure, which I know you are a pleasure, just amazing pleasure, uh, mystic. Um, and that one, like simultaneous to like grad school and my poetry, I was, I quit dieting and it was huge Mm. for me because I listened to a podcast where someone was like, what if your body the way it is right now is how it's always going to be? And what if, you know, you let yourself eat food and just enjoy it? And I remember being like, what? (laughs) 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 Like, wait, 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 wait. And that, so I feel like of all of them, that's the one that I like, just, it happened kind of swiftly and, I am lucky, you know, also I have a, I have thin privilege. I like, am, I live in a thin body, so I, I know it's different for everyone, but for me to be able to see it and then see the context of it, you know, fat phobia and like how that is part of white supremacy and all that stuff. It was like kind of also my, my, my big shift into like, you need to fucking do some anti-racist like awareness and 
yeah. So just a lot came through for me through the gluttony. Um, what else am I, I, I always forget some, but lust, of course, that's the reclamation for me, not only of sexuality, but just of desire. And, mm-hmm. and I think of the strength card and, and like letting yourself go for what you want, you know, and delighting in it. Um, lighting in it that's so huge because I mean I think I feel this in myself sometimes there's like guilt around desire there's guilt around pleasure it's like the actually feeling good in it is a whole other piece yes yes yeah um I do I think you're absolutely right there's first those the the relearning of like noticing pleasure and then there's the embodiment of like Oh, and also like feel it, you know, like <laughs> how do we feel it? Yeah. Um, and I, I'm, I know I'm forgetting some, but those are the ones that are really sticking out to me. Yeah. You don't have to go through all of them. I'm just okay. Is that what you wanted to share around them? Yeah. You can uh, definitely check out your Instagram and everything for all these incredible posts about the sins and all the good graphics and all that. Cause we love that. But <laughs> I think it's so interesting, like what you're sharing, it's, also just speaking to how there's intersections of all of this, like there's intersections of capitalism and white supremacy and ableism around sloth and gluttony. And it's all in patriarchy and how that's all wrapped up in the church too, as a system. It's not just religion is this box and capitalism is this box and misogyny is this box. It's like, they're all one. Oh yeah. Yes. And out to disempower some more than others because of these intersections and keep you loyal and, um, you know, with it, like keep you believing that you have to listen to what they say and then nothing gets dismantled, you know, like, yeah, gets overthrown the more that we stay mm-hmm. in some of these religious institutions. Yeah. And when you talk about wrath, I think so much too about how the church, I feel like wants us to turn our wrath on ourselves. Like I'm bad. I, you know, I'm angry at myself for not being good or whatever it is, but really like we can turn our wrath on them and on white supremacy and on all of these systems. And that's like actually helpful and good, but it's not helpful to turn that wrath on ourselves and destroy ourselves. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Talking about, um, last is making me want to ask you more about your journey with queerness. I think you've really been around because just context for people who are listening, I did your central self-publishing program earlier this year. Um, And so we were talking a lot as I'm like processing a lot of this stuff around like, oh, I'm leaving my partner. Oh, I'm in love. Oh, I'm a lesbian. Like all that, like you've really been there through it. So I want to hear more about that for you. (laughs) Yeah, yes. Um, I had so much doubt around it and I know that was because of all the other things I've already talked about. Mm-hmm. And so, gosh, you know, what's funny is I picked up tarot the same time I came out publicly to everyone. Mm. But anyway, so that was about a year and a half ago, but I knew it for a long time. And I was always like, you're not, but not enough, not enough. You don't need to say anything about it. Not enough. Like, just like you're good. You're in this straight passing relationship. Like you don't have to tell anyone, just like keep it to yourself. But it felt, um, I didn't like it. (laughs) I didn't like keeping it to myself and like telling my siblings felt so special because 
though, like I said, we are very close and we've all had, we all have the same experience in terms of how we were raised and everything. And so to be able, I don't know why it sticks out to me more than anyone telling my siblings was the most, uh, just felt good. It felt good to be truthful and for them to see me exactly who I am and to not, and I'm lucky that all three of them were so lucky and how it should be received, (laughs) which is, you know, with kindness, acceptance, almost like a shrug too. Like, and like my one older brother was like, yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) 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 Yeah. But I don't have much else to say except that once I claimed it, that doubt really went, like, I will say, and I know everyone goes through their own journey around it and everything is so valid. But for me, the moment I started saying it out loud is when the doubt just fell away. Mm. So it took, even though like I was able to be kind to myself for the most part through it, um, when I was alone with it, when I said it out loud, it was like a spell almost. It was like, yeah, you're this this is who you are. And mm-hmm. then from there, I mostly have fun with it in an artistic way, like expressing it through creativity. And also even on my Instagram, just sharing things that like, to me, I'm like, yeah, I'm queer. Look at this picture I just shared, you know, like that's what it feels like. <laughs> yeah. I love that. And I appreciate you saying so much that feeling of like not enough, like not queer enough. I used to feel that so much too. And I felt like I couldn't come out to anyone or I felt like I couldn't talk about it because I just didn't feel queer enough. And yeah, it's interesting. I'm like, what made me feel queer enough? I don't know. I did this queer purity culture dropout support group, which was so helpful. And yeah, just like actually exploring my queerness and talking to people about it and labeling myself and then like dating and stuff. But, you know, everybody doesn't have to date or have queer relationships, definitely. But of course, that was helpful for me, too. And it's hard, though. Like, do you have is there anything you want to share for people who might be listening who are like, I don't feel queer enough. That's me. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I mean, you are. You are so queer enough. Um, know that the systems of capitalism, of religious institution and, and white supremacy, they are, they're the ones who most likely are making you feel that way. So if you can say to yourself, like, I am queer enough. And I know that this voice that's telling me I'm not, it's not my voice, Mm -hmm. you know, like if that feels good to you, like, assuring yourself that someone, something else, a system that doesn't want you to be your true self because it's a threat to them. That's who's probably reinforcing this idea that you're not queer enough. I don't know if that's helpful, but it's not fair. (laughs) No, it's not fair. It sucks. It's like that compulsory heterosexuality is like, you must be straight. (laughs) Like you have to do some huge thing or like prove in some way that you're not. And it's like, I feel like queerness should be the default. And then the straights can be like, I'm straight. (laughs) (laughs) Hello. Like we are spinning in the middle of a weird universe that has like Milky Ways and stuff. Like, come on. We are all binary mushrooms. And like, what? Like, and nature is so gay. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's totally a queer universe. Um, 
And, you know, maybe a sweet thing to do for yourself if you are struggling with those thoughts is create something that to you represents your queerness, whatever form of creation feels good. Maybe you like to do bracelet, like friendship bracelets or whatever it is, like let yourself have a moment of just like, I'm going to make a queer creation to honor me and then let yourself have that. I love that. Let's talk about creativity more. Let's okay. talk about it. I think I want to ask you, I heard someone say the other day, like people think that, you know, defining yourself or being a writer means that you write and like, yes, but they were saying, actually, I think it means you feel compelled to write. Like you don't have to write every day to be a writer, but that everyone doesn't feel compelled to write, you know? And I think I want to ask you, why do you feel compelled to write? I love that question. And I love that, that whoever said that, I just talked to a client last night who was like, I don't think I'm a writer because even though I want to write, like I never do it. And I was like, Nope, stop, 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 stop. stop. Like (laughs) I'm still learning this too. I'm still learning this too, but there's so it's another like capitalistic thing, like pressure. You have to write every day and then you can call yourself a writer because you're practiced and like you're stringent with it. And like, no, you're disciplined a thousand yeah. days, whatever yeah. like fuck being disciplined no like if you want to be a writer and you never write a word in your life like I don't care call yourself a writer <laughs> like whatever there yeah it's I think it's same with queerness like you get to have your identity I mean you're not harming anyone so or anything so like let yourself be a writer and however that shows up like you know um, what's real and true for you and that's valid that's yes. it that's valid <laughs> yes yes um and you asked how do I feel compelled to write or yeah, like why do you feel compelled to write oh, why yeah yeah why do I <laughs> I love words I like the sounds of words um I you know, when I'm just writing to journal, like yesterday I had a moment, I was kind of in a down place and I didn't even think about it. I just opened up the journal and started writing and I hadn't done that. And I haven't like journaled every day in like three months. And so for that to be just like something that was like, oh, I need to do that. And I felt so much better afterward. Um, There's something about etching, etching your etching something and not even saying it out loud, but when you get to like write it down, it hits different. Mm-hmm. Um, perhaps it's because it's, I don't know. I, that's a good question. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what makes me feel compelled to write, except that I, I've loved some of the poems I write and it feels good. It just feels good to do it. Mm-hmm. I know that's not a great answer. No, I love it. I love hearing that. I think, I don't know why I feel compelled to write either. I think I always have felt compelled to write and it does feel good. Like you're saying, it feels so good. And I know it's definitely part of reclamation and healing. Like I was talking about earlier for me and I don't know, I think there's something in it for me of like taking ownership of my stories and like it feels like rooting into my power to like claim what's happened and talk about that and write about that and share that through like through what's true for me 
Yes. Um, and I think I'm like sharing these quotes that I like don't remember who said them. I'll try and remember later and like link them in the description or I'll try and figure it out. But someone said something like, don't let the, um, don't let the facts get in the way of the truth when you're writing. And I'm just like, oh, that's so good. Because <laughs> um, uh, that's what it's about. Right? It's about like your truth and what's true for you. Like, or that's what it is to me. Anyways, yes. I don't know, but I do feel quite compelled to write. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, but then I don't. Like there, there mm-hmm. are times when I won't go for a long. I feel like writing definitely feels... Um, or when you write, like, for instance, I know you're, you're writing a a collection and like, after I've written kind of a big body of work, I've felt like, I don't want to even look at a pen for like (laughs) a year. (laughs) Something goes, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And like with the journaling, I, that's what it was is like, it got to May and I was like, right now I'm journaling and I'm writing down things that I want to hear instead of writing the truth. You know, so I, I yes. So I had to take a step back and that's why I haven't journaled. But yesterday, yeah, I like literally like threw up all over the page. I was like, I feel this and this is happening. And like, what am I going to do? Like, I just was very hopeless on the page, which sounds sad, but made me feel a lot better. I totally relate to that. I feel like it's only this year where I've actually committed to being honest in my journal and actually writing what I think and feel because sometimes I think it's too scary to write it. But like when I'm in a really down spot, I'm just like writing it all. And like, well, um, my parents hate me. My they're, They don't want to have a relationship with me. My partner is going to leave me. I'm going to be alone. I'm going to die. Like, and I just like write it down. And then, then it just feels good because I see it on the page and I'm like oh honey like you're okay I mean I honor that you feel that way but that's you know it's not gonna happen it's okay like yes yes helpful to see it out there and just like actually say what you feel yeah you're extracting the voice you know that's not your own you know it's it's usually Mm -hmm. like a a cruel system (laughs) that's talking to you through you you know yeah like some kind of internalization or like sometimes it's my parents voice or it's a lot of times it's just like my little me voice who's like very afraid and it feels soothing to like honor what she actually is thinking and feeling and write it all down even if it's embarrassing even if I would be mortified if anyone ever read this although I did just like say some of the stuff I write in my journal out loud (laughs) but you know it's like even if it's embarrassing even if I don't want to be the person who's thinking that like I am the person who's thinking that and I'm just and it's okay yeah Yeah, I have um, someone that I've worked with who she does bitch journaling every night, which I love. She's like a raging bitch in between the pages, just like all the shitty things she wants to say out loud to people, to herself, and she just gets it on the page. And she says that she's the kindest person in the world because she does her her bitch journaling every night. That's amazing. Bitch journaling TM. What a great idea. I know. know. (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) I want to hear, because this is part of what's like so magical about your work to me, but about how you work with pleasure and sensuality in writing and creativity. Like how are those things part of the process for you? Yes. Yes. Oh, thank you for this question. Um, well, sensuality, as you know, is, is my number one writing tool, I guess, for lack of a better word, because 
when you can tune into your sensuality and even like, I say this, uh, conjure it. So like, think about your favorite smells, think about your favorite tastes. You then have a scene set up for you. You have a character set up for you. You have a, a, a subject of a poem set up for you. So sensuality is magic. Like it's a form of magic that, um, you know, humanity shares. And so, uh, I love, yeah, I love sensuality. I love utilizing it. I think like (laughs) I, I said this the other day on my Instagram, what I, I say sensuality, um, but it's sensory, I guess is really what I'm, I'm like the, 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 core of it is about using your senses right Mm -hmm. and then sensuality comes in from there because you think about the smell and then you think about where that smell lands in your body and you think of a memory with that smell and that's when like the mystic sensuality comes through Mm -hmm. um pleasure I am I think I'd like to be an I um, idealist, but I'm actually like an optimist, like an embarrassing optimist. <laughs> we gotta exist, right? Like we need some optimists out there. Your signs. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> totally. And so I just knew anytime I write, I want to write about something that's bringing me pleasure. And, um, I, it's a, it's just a way that I actually presence myself is I'm like, what could bring me pleasure today? And then I like, when I know it, it's so cool when like something specific pops up, like, Oh, I want one of those like strawberry shortcake ice cream bars. And then to like give myself that seek it out and find it. Mm -hmm. It's like, what a sweet gift. And like, what a cool intuition, you know, that I knew exactly what I wanted or like, I want to go to this very specific hiking spot that I went to a couple of times as a teenager. And I want to go do that hike, like mm-hmm. stuff like that. And so it's a practice and it's more of like first list out everything that you know, that brings you pleasure or all the senses that bring you pleasure and like, just write them down. And then you have your list and then you just start, you can speak to this. You just start noticing it more, you know, it jumps out at you. It's such a helpful practice of attuning to what is pleasurable. That's what I love so much about that idea is like, there's so much pleasure around me and are available to me. And I might not even notice, but when I'm like attuning my senses and orienting towards it, I'm like, oh my God, this ice cream bar, this breeze on my skin, this like orange on my toenails. Wow. It's like all bringing so much pleasure, but it's so easy to not notice it, you know, to just like brush through, rush through, not actually pay attention to it. And it's so powerful. Yes. Yes. And it brings me pleasure (laughs) to know that human psychology is set up to notice negative things, right? Because we are trying to protect ourselves. Like that's our animal, our primal animal self. And so every, like those times when I'm like having a day where like nothing is speaking to me and we have those days and that's so valid, like mental health is real, systematic oppression is real, like all those things can come together and make some of our days terrible. Um, But I also do like to kind of remind myself, I'm like, oh, you didn't seek pleasure because you are like in that human animal mode of like protecting yourself. Like, that's okay, babe. Like what could bring you pleasure right now? You know, like, yeah just knowing that it's human to like maybe look for the negative, but you can always, you can always kind of like be like, Oh, let's see what's on the other side of that. 
Yeah. Even and it can be like so simple. Like, oh, I'm really sad. And also this like warm, fuzzy blanket on me, that my crying blanket is like very soft on my skin. And that feels really good. Like it can, yeah. you can hold them all. It's not like pleasure or sadness or yes. it, it, they can coexist. They do coexist. Such an important reminder. Yes. Thank you for saying that. Just the coexistence of pleasure and sadness or depression, like that is totally like real, you know? Yeah. So I think as we're talking about pleasure, I want to ask you if you want to read as part of Nadia or a poem from Girl Flame, your poetry book, whatever, whatever you feel, I want to hear it. <laughs> I would love to. I'm honored. Um, any requests from Nadia? Ooh, uh, <laughs> it's okay if you can't remember. <laughs> or like, Where's my copy? Hold on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like what pages have I folded down? Because... No one listening to this can see, but there are folded down pages. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that is like a dream. <laughs> oh, mm. I'm like Nadia's shame. I have turned down a playlist by TT. Oh, yes. Have, oh, Nadia and her vibrator. <laughs> so good. <laughs> I love them all. I don't have any requests, um, but. I do have Nadia and her vibrator turned down. So, okay. Go see that one. Go see that one. It's a pretty juicy, y'all. So, (laughs) okay. Nadia and her vibrator. That same night, fueled by her skate body, all hips and legs, plus the thick tension between Angela and Sage, Nadia opens her bedside table drawer full of sex toys and pulls out the pink one. It's slight and neon, fits comfortably between her pointer finger and her thumb. She sets it aside and prepares her environment. An open window featuring a sliver of the blood moon, the amber candle, a green silk scarf over her lamp. She opens up her laptop and selects a YouTube video featuring the sound of ocean waves. She lays on her fluffy fleece blanket, turns her head to her silk pillow and inhales her own scent. Sandalwood, sweat, and toast. (laughs) She takes a few deep breaths, focusing on relaxing her pelvic floor. She kneads her thighs with her knuckles, beginning just above her knees and working her way up to the soft inner thigh spots, where she begins to lightly trace circles with her long black nails. She loves turning herself on. She feels like a galaxy. She clicks on the pink one. Her clitoris aches. The blood moon glows. Oh, so good. Thank you so much for reading that. I love yes. that. Thank you for the request. I, I, that's a good, it makes me excited for the blood moon in October in Scorpio. Mm, yeah. That also feels, I wasn't thinking about this when I said it, but that also feels so perfect for our conversation. Cause I feel like masturbation shame is so real or was so real for me in just like patriarchy in general, but also especially in church in my youth group, we had like a whole separate thing outside of partner and sex about how masturbation is super shameful and bad. So I love that we're bringing that conversation around to the pleasure of that. And thank you so much. Of course. Yeah. I remember like so many church like masses where I would sit and just think about a kiss that I had, I had engaged in over the weekend, mm. you know, <laughs> just like yeah. being like, 
feeling really guilty, but also just like, I can't help it. <laughs> I'm going to think about this the whole time. You know, my parents forced me to take notes during church sermons and they would read them after to make sure I was paying attention. Oh my God, Erin. Yeah. And they would like ask me questions and we would have to have a discussion and we'd get in trouble if we couldn't, like, if we weren't paying attention. <laughs> Oh my God. I am so sorry. That is okay. When you said that, it made me think of that. So no kissing daydreaming for you. No kissing daydreaming. Yeah. Unfortunately. What the hell? Every Sunday or every time you went to church? Yeah. Especially Sundays. Every Sunday. Mm -hmm. Wow. (laughs) Thank God. Now Sundays are for pleasure and joy. Sex and sleeping in and nature. <laughs> what a reclamation. Yeah. Yeah, it's good stuff. Also, I don't know if you can see because the light is weird, but toast. Right here. <laughs> I know as soon as I said the word toast, I was like, maybe toast will pop up. <laughs> Everyone who's listening, toast is my roommate's cat. It's my third roommate, my best friend. <laughs> so that's why toast popped up. <laughs> Such a cute cat. Um, <laughs> okay. okay, I want to ask you the last question I always ask on this show, which is, what does living open mean to you? What comes up with mm. Oh, I love it. I love this question. Um, you know, living open to me lately has been this idea of decision-making, um, and, and knowing that I get to decide what, in, in a lot of ways, for me, I get to decide how I spend each day. Um, and the decision of like, yes, my decision is like, I don't have to live for the people around me, even the ones who I adore and love. Like, I can navigate my day around how I want to live it. <laughs> you know, like yesterday I took a nap and like, I usually don't take naps because they make me so groggy afterward, but it was such a, uh, it was like a moment where, when we were talking earlier about pleasure of like, just knowing my body was like, I really could use a snooze. Mm-hmm. And like, I was like, Oh, but I got, I got to do this. I got to do that. And then my body was like, but also like, I really could use a snooze. <laughs> I was just like, okay. So I laid down and I napped and I felt so good afterward. And I think that's what living open for me lately has been of like, I, you know, this is a queer universe. And like, at the end of the day, I, I have to live according to what I want to do every day, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's been a big like learning and remembering for me this year of like, oh, I actually like need to take responsibility for my own joy and my own pleasure. And no one's going to do that for me. Like I need to actively choose that and orient towards that or else I'm going to keep being miserable. (laughs) Like it has to be an active choice because these systems aren't going to choose it. No one can choose it for you. Yes, yes, yes the act of choosing is so powerful and like alongside like holding yourself accountable and like making sure, you know, all the things that go into that, but first choice, someone the other day said, 
maybe the selfish choice is always going to be the right choice. And it like, I sat with it for a second um, because of course we want to be redistributing and like making sure community care is a priority. But I do think there's something to be said about being like aligned first with what you want, what you need, what you desire and watch how then organically Mm -hmm. it like spreads into your community, you know? Yeah, especially for people who are marginalized in different ways, like choosing, oh, my pleasure matters, my joy matters, my, it's all resistance, it's all powerful. Yes, such a huge act of resistance. Mm -hmm. Mary, can you tell everyone where people can connect with you, find you, work with you on the internet, the web? Totally. So I am super active on Instagram. In fact, (laughs) I'm choosing to take a big break from it in August, like you're taking a break from the podcast, but I'll still definitely be there afterward. Um, My handle is sensual.maryadele. That's two L's in Adele, A-D-E-L-L-E. So I'm very active there. I have a website, maryadele.com, and it's just gotten updated. So it has all my offerings listed on there. And uh, that's pretty much where you can find me. I've like dabbled in Pinterest and Tumblr, but like not. Tumblr, oh my God. (laughs) Tumblr made me vegan. Really? (laughs) (laughs) Tumblr has power, man. There's some, there's some magic on Tumblr. Other people talk about how Tumblr made them gay. I was not on that side of Tumblr, I think, but uh, Tumblr did make me vegan for sure. (laughs) (laughs) it's a great place for writers too so Mm -hmm. you know where can people get Nadia yes yes so um Nadia was published by Akinoga Press that's A-K-I-N-O-G-A so you just head to their website and you can order uh, a hard copy if you're more of a Kindle person or e-reader um there's a ebook version on my website if you'd like to read it that way Mm-hmm. for sharing I recommend this book to everyone because I love it so much oh thank you and I'm such a book nerd I need the physical copy and I feel like this book demands to be read in a physical book but yeah. I'm dramatic about my books <laughs> <laughs> yeah no I get it I, I I think most people feel that way I think most people feel that way it's just so like sensual and the textures it's like yeah so good. It smells good. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> hey, thank you so much for being here and for sharing. I'm thank so happy we got to talk. <laughs> yes, uh, this was wonderful. Again, like I, I've said, I'm, I'm at the at the risk of being too gushy, but it's just an honor. I love this podcast. I love you. I love your work, mm-hmm. and um, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening. If you loved this episode, please do tap five stars and leave us a nice review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. I appreciate it so, so much. And it's a really lovely way to be in exchange with the show, with an indie podcast. You can check out all the links mentioned in this episode in the description, and I'll be back on Monday with another episode. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss it and stay in touch on on Instagram at E-R-Y-N-J underscore or Patreon until then.